2: For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/starttalk. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/starttalk today. Hey, StarTalk All-Stars might be off the air, but we have an all-new way for you to enjoy the show. Head over to youtube.com slash Stars for free weekly video episodes of the show. You can still listen to all the audio episodes, but we figured you'd like to watch them with your very own eyes. Subscribe to youtube.com slash all-stars and hit the bell so you can be notified every time a new video gets published. Thanks to our supporters on Patreon for sponsoring this episode of Star Talk. Join them and listen to every episode with no ads. Go to patreon.com Star Talk Radio to learn how.
3: I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with Science. Science. Today, we test the heat on the street. And for that, we'll be needing sneakers. So slip them on, lace them up. And if your kicks ain't kicking, then it's game over. Yes.
2: The superstars of Sneakerdom are the designers themselves. Guys like Dwayne Edwards, who designed at least one pair of Air Jordans and is a legend in the game, he'll be first up on our show. Following in his footsteps is an Italian prince, Federico Macapani, aka M Broidered, aka
3: Dr Frankenstein. Mu-a-a-a. He's not a real prince. <laughs> not royalty. Well, at least we'll find out if he is. All right, Frederico has worked with both Gucci and Adidas, and we'll be getting into the secret science of the sneaker with the both of them. And then wrapping up the show will be fashionista and sneaker guru Ezra Wine. So sit down, get comfy, and try this bad boy on for size.
2: Yes, that's right. We're going to have a fashionable show right now. That's right, and as we promised, first up, Dwayne Edwards, who is the founder of the Pencil uh, Design Academy, and also a prolific, award-winning shoe designer himself, with a with just an incredible backstory. We're so excited to have you here, Dwayne. How are you, my friend?
0: Thank you, guys. It's, it's amazing to be on the show and getting a chance to speak with you guys.
3: Yeah. You are amazingly humble because if I got one word for our listeners, it's Jordan. And you have a major role to play in that. Yes. It's the shoes. And um, we're going to get there. I want to go back and forward in the same conversation to begin with. Okay. Why, what is, and what will the Pencil Footwear Design Academy achieve? Yes. And, and 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 before
2: you even get to that, why don't you give us a little backstory on how that came about? Because I think it's tied to your backstory inexorably okay. so. Yeah. So why don't yeah. you give us that and then tell us about the goals and what you hope to achieve in the future with it?
0: Sure. Um, so Pencil was uh, it was a school I wish I was able to attend um, growing up as a kid. And it was it's a it's a it's, a, it's an academy that um, I want to hire from. You know, during my time when I was at Jordan and Nike, and it came from as a kid growing up in Inglewood, California. My, my my dream was to be a, a sneaker designer. You know, um, growing up in the in the early '80s, for a, for a kid from Inglewood to say something like that was kind of crazy. Let alone uh, just even being interested in art in general. Mm-hmm. But I was born with the gift to to draw anything I could see, and um, I remember vividly getting a, a 1981 Franco Harris football card. No. Nice.
3: Yeah, the Steelers.
0: And that was the first time where they showed the cleats in the football cards because normally they just cut them off at the at the knees. Right. And I would draw the cards. Um, when I got to the cleats, it was like a lot harder to draw. And so I just got fixated on footwear. So I just started drawing sneakers on 3 by 5 index cards from since I was 12 years old. Until well, 2019. So, nice. <laughs> uh, I've been doing it ever since. But it was it was just that it was just that was the thing that kept my attention.
2: Interesting. So here you are. You're a kid in Englewood. Yeah. You know, basically, there's not a there's not a path for you. To be honest, no, this is not there's no. not a path for you. So your found your your founding of this school is actually creating the path that was not there for you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My my destiny, um, unfortunately, growing up in Inglewood in the 80s was I had a higher probability of being in jail or dead. One of those two things.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Unfortunately, college wasn't a part of my future. Right. I'm the youngest of six kids raised by a single parent. So I, I never actually got a chance to attend college. Wow. Um, but uh, but but Reebok was on my um, thank you all. Um, and uh, a brand that I, I've been taking it out on for the last thirty years. Yeah,
2: you have. And uh, so, uh, with that in mind, why don't you tell? How did, I, I read somewhere about you were in the accounting department somewhere, and then that led you to actual shoe design? How does that? How do you make that jump? I mean, I know you couldn't go. To col- <laughs> I know you couldn't go to college, but what a weird jump to go from accounting to your dream of shoe design. How did that happen?
3: Uh, well,
0: after graduating high school, I ended up getting a temp job, um, and my my second assignment was to file papers in the accounts payable department for a footwear company by the name of La Gear. Uh, they were in Marina yeah, del yeah. California. I, I, yeah, I remember. And LA so um, I, I hated uh, filing papers, but um, I was at a footwear company, and uh, they had just started changing over management, and they put these small wooden suggestion boxes in every department. And they were hoping that employees will will give them ways to save money and, and new ways to make the company morale better. And so I took those three by five index cards. And every day before I went to file papers, I would just put in my sketch of what I thought L.A. Gear should design. Wow. That And so for six months, I did that every single day before I started my accounting job. And um, I get a, uh, I hear an announcement over the intercom because, again, there's no email, right? So when you want somebody, it's a Inter office message that the whole company hears. Right. And so I get a, I get a message to report to the pre, the president's office.
3: Wow. You're fired, right?
0: I go into his office and he had all 180 of my sketches on his desk. And, and he asked me, you know, are you the person who's been doing this? And he said, you know, what, what school did you come from? I said, man, I just graduated from Englewood a few months ago. And he offered me a job right on the spot. Damn. Um, right on my so, 19th birthday. My so,
3: God. Oh, you originated guerrilla marketing. Absolutely, yes. There you go. Yeah. Put it on your CV. Absolutely. Put it on your resume. See, that's that's yeah. the classic guerrilla marketing tactic, <laughs> absolutely, which you know Nike did perfectly oh, from time to yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, so okay, you're a young man of color in an environment where there's not a lot, if any.
0: I was the only one. Me and yeah. me and a couple janitors. All right. So, and did so- they design too? <laughs>
2: Like, because, you know, that's what happens. It's like, it's like, wait a minute. Look at this. This black guy has natural (laughs) design talent. Maybe, hey, hey, get over here. Put that mop down. Draw me a sneaker.
3: So, okay. As a teenager, you know, you've got something. But what did you think you had that was special?
0: Uh, Honestly, You know, I I just had a passion for designing sneakers because I was I was what you would call a sneakerhead before there was a term sneakerhead. So all through high school, my my biggest fear still to this day, my biggest fear is to walk into a room and have the same shoes somebody else has on. Um, So I I would uh, back back in the 80s when they didn't have multiple color options. Right. I would go and buy white white and go to the shoe repair shop and buy color dyes. Get some duct tape and an Exacto blade, and dye all of my shoes different colors, just so I can show up to school with something that no one else had. Wow. So, I think for me, it was just in in a part of who I was. It was my identity and my personality, just to just to have something different on my feet.
2: And oh. if you did that now, you could actually sell those sneakers for thousands of dollars.
0: Yes. Yeah. Isn't exactly. that isn't that <laughs> ironic? Like you did
2: it back then just yeah, to be different, sure. but if you yourself right now went and deconstructed a shoe and dyed yeah. it different colors and put it back together, that shoe would yeah. sell for thousands of dollars. That is so That's a dope. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, uh, Dwayne, I know we're fast friends, but uh, could you please do that in a size 12 for me? Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know what? We were the same size, so, you know, I might be able to slide you a few pairs yep. of Yo, man, that I don't it took wear. you 10 minutes. Hey, let me tell it you It so- took you 10
3: minutes to beg a <laughs> pair of sneakers. I don't care. Listen, 10.
2: Let me tell you something. Um, shame <laughs> is not one of my strong suits. Shameless. <laughs> right. Shameless. That's kids. your middle name right yes, now, There yeah. you go.
3: So, (laughs) Okay, Dwayne, if you're playing with dyes and you're designing, and you know the title of this show is Playing With Science. Yeah, man. Yeah, you didn't go to college, so you don't have a degree in biology, chemistry, physics, or anything else. Like, I am the same. But you started, all of a sudden, you worked out what you could dye. You worked out how you're working out the chemistry of that. You're working out how to fix and fast colors. You're working out all sorts of things. So, from where you start in your whatever cottage garage industry you started from, where from there, where has that journey taken you in terms of the appliance of science to sneakers? Because there's some serious stuff gone down in between then and now.
0: I think, I think fundamentally, you know, I'm, uh, I grew up as a problem solver. Right. You know, even the dyeing of the sneakers was a challenge because I had to, I had to find the right dye. Mm-hmm. And then I had to scuff up the leather to soak up the dye. And then I had to find the right tape to, that would stick and wouldn't come off because of the dye. Um, and then trying to understand how long it took for it to dry. So just fundamentally, like just through problem solving, you know, science kind of happens. Right? right. And yeah. it's 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 no different, even from a from a footwear design perspective. I absolutely hated geometry in school, but there's so much geometry in designing shoes. It's ridiculous. Like you can't design shoes without it, actually. But I didn't know that's what it was. I was just doing it to finish the thought and the idea. It was when I start going backwards and reverse engineering the process. Then I start to understand the science behind the creation of, of
3: sneakers. Okay, so you're responsible for at least one Air Jordan, am I correct? Two.
0: At two least. of them. Um, then I worked on two, three other
3: ones. Yeah. All wow. right, so you, not just geometry, you're going to be really up on anatomy. Tendons, muscles, the way, the movement, the dynamics, the, the biomechanics, yeah. everything. And then if you're designing for a particular athlete...
0: Oh, yeah, it changes completely. Absolutely. So when, when I would design for specific guys, if it was for baseball, if it was for boxing, it was for basketball, uh, for football, I would watch the sport completely different because I'm actually only watching from the kneecap down. Wow. It wasn't until I retired I could enjoy a full game of basketball or baseball, look at the whole thing, because I was so fixated on the actual movement that the feet were making. And... Physically, the size of these guys, it's almost like you can't really put something over their feet because it doesn't really stick to the to stick to the foot based on the movement that they actually make. Yeah. Right. And so just understanding kind of the physiology behind the sheer force that someone who's, you know, take Carmelo Anthony, 6'8, 230 pounds, but when he's moving, that triples. And then he's not only moving in a forward pace. At any moment, he's going left or right oh, at the right. drop of a dime. So that's additional force that is put upon this structure that you've built to, to keep him safe, quote unquote, right? And so because of that, you you would have to understand um, what materials can withstand certain force. Mm-hmm. You would have to understand the different rubber compounds that could withstand the abrasion on a wood floor with a certain type of polish on it There is so much science and math involved in the process. You just actually, you don't look at it through natural learning as if you were in school. Like if you told me to take a science class and a math class and a physiology class in school, traditional school, I would would tap out like I'm good. I I don't want to do it. But if you put a sneaker in front of me and said, hey, you know what? This sneaker has all of these things in it and you learn through that process. You would learn all day long, like right. you would probably pay to be in that class versus, you know, you, you paying, you know, yeah. you, you uh, learn it and getting paid for it. That is but a yeah, so part of that is understanding the entire physiology of the athlete and, and what materials f- compounds um, work with the product, but also the surfaces that they play on as well. Also has just as much of an impact on how you design and create clothes.
3: You talking there makes me makes me recall just the recent history of March Madness and Zion Williamson, where uh, we'll, we'll call uh, it yes. we'll call it a wardrobe malfunction, hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Major. Major. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Now, major the, it, was, it was the first sneaker blowout. <laughs> as a designer, <laughs> as a designer, a that hurts you, I'm sure. But what, so kind of, what kind of forces are going through him okay. to rip that shoe apart?
0: First it, of all, I've, never, I've, seen,
3: I've seen shoes blow out before. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: technically, when they blow out, what's really happening is shoes are put together, the upper and the bottom are put together by glue.
2: Glue, right.
0: If glue gets to a certain temperature, it starts to loosen up. Right. And that's Ooh. how it separates the top and the bottom. It's a really easy trick. You can stick a shoe in the microwave and you take 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 the bottom and off. You will take after, the boot after, off, right? About two of so usually that's how shoes blow out. That's you normally how it blows out, is that the sheer heat and the friction from the bottom of their feet is loosening up the, the glue, is generating heat loosening up the glue, and then the bottom usually separates from the upper. This one was completely different. Right. It tore through. through. Through a midsole. He went, that's right. Like if you tried to do that with a saw, it would take you some time right. to really cut through this thing the way he tore through it. I'm still shocked. The Nike folks are still shocked. I know the guy who designed it. We had it. We I know he was sick watching it, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because that is that is your worst fear as a designer of watching a shoe blow out right on probably the biggest stage uh, the at biggest the right the,
2: on, on, on a national stage however um just to help you guys out um i wish you had me as your pr person because immediately i would have released a, a press release that says uh zion's feet are made of razors uh, yeah. If if you want <laughs> right. to know what happened, the brother has razor feet. It's a very rare right. condition. And uh, wow, well, that well,
0: is ultimately what happened. Zion is about 285 pounds. Right. He put over a thousand pounds of pressure at that split second. And that's what helped tore through that whole shoe. Wow. Now, what's crazy is no one knows where the shoes are. The actual shoes that, that had the blowout. No one knows. Nike doesn't have them. Duke doesn't have them. There, no one knows where the actual shoes went. I know who has them. And they're already valued well over $300,000.
2: I'm sure. And I'm sure who has them. Adidas. Adidas has them. <laughs> that's who's got them. I'm getting... Because that's yeah, who sabotaged I'm getting them. Scully and Mulder
3: on this. We're <laughs> <laughs> going go
2: X-Files on this exactly. one. Exactly. Whoa. So, okay, okay, okay. Wait a minute. Say that no, no, one no, more time. $300,000 is what those shoes are worth right now? They're going for
0: right now over 300 grand. Oh my God,
3: that's amazing. If they surface, if they, they surface, but yeah. someone's waiting for it to go to half a meal. Wow. Tr- trust me, there's an agent involved and they're waiting to go to half a meal before they surface. Somebody,
0: somebody has them, some equipment manager, some ball boy.
2: Yep. Some oh, yeah. Pool. Somebody got them. Somebody got okay. them.
0: That's
3: I can't it. let you go from this show without saying, how do you redesign that shoe for that athlete?
0: Oh my god. I know. It. Easy <laughs>
3: questions first, huh?
0: Yeah, there is a way. So, you know, there there is a it's hard to talk through, but there is a way visually to create a more structurally sound product in this precise area where he blew out his shoes. Okay. If good. you if you're familiar with sneakers, sneakers have a top and a bottom. That's right? yeah. I'm good with that. There's a there's a specific Nike technology called foam posit that allows yep. the the side of the midsole the wrap up higher up on the upper. Yep. That would actually would have resolved that issue. That would have never happened if if that was in there. So you're
3: gonna you, it's a it's a wrap round of the sole right. over the upper, but more so. Right.
0: So yeah, it wraps up sides yeah, a bit yeah. more. Yeah. So it yeah. A,
2: it actually becomes like a, a reinforcement of that area right there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Super cool. Hey and let's it almost so- becomes like a it's like this. It's a bit of a cradle. Right. Like it cradles the,
3: the foot. Before we thank Dwayne, yeah. how many of your students are now placed in design houses for brands and doing what yeah. you taught them to do? Wait, let me guess. We're, let me take
2: a guess. Let me take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. I'm
3: going to go 90% placement.
0: So we have over 400, close to 500 kids working professionally in, in the last nine years. So we are all of the top brands. Bam. And uh if, if, if it wasn't working, all the brands wouldn't be working with us. That's go. the way I see it. There you go. We're a part of our results.
2: Yeah. And hey, by the way, what you just described is uh, applied learning in an immersive environment. And uh, it is it is one of the most effective ways of uh, bringing about um, learning for anyone who is truly interested in something. Uh, it is yeah. also part of, in Europe, uh, what they have are apprenticeships. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so your apprenticeship- On the job training. On the job training. Your, yeah. apprentice, your apprenticeship allows you to learn exactly what it is you're going to be doing in the environment in which you will be working and it is highly effective. Uh So, you know, uh, congratulations to Mm -hmm. you to bringing something that works so well to the shores of America. And I can only hope that there are other institutions such as yourself uh, that will that will uh, see this and 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 kind of adopt it because it is highly effective. And when you want to talk about creating an economy where people are able to flourish.
3: This podcast is supported by FedEx
2: That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true.
3: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: That is that is one of the ways that you can do it. So kudos to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank
3: you very much. I no, and, and thank you for the Pen Soul Academy. It is uh, a fabulous project. Yeah. And can I get in? Can I get in? Can I send you a sketch? No. Can I,
2: can I send you a sketch? No. Dwayne? <laughs> it's going straight in the
3: trash. It's going straight in the trash. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, slam dunk it. (laughs) Hey, Dwayne, (laughs) thanks so much, Thank you, sir. Great talking to you.
3: All right, Chuck. Thank you. you. We are going to take a break. All right, let's take a break. Let's do that break. When we come back, Federico Macapane, yes, and embroidered will be with us live in the studio. Do not go away.
2: one of our most popular segments on Star Talk is Cosmic Queries. You ask the questions, and Neil and our science experts answer them. How do you submit a query? Follow Star Talk on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and look out for calls for queries based around a specific topic. We post a call for questions every time we need them for a new episode. You can also submit a question at any time at startalkradio.net slash queries. If you want a better chance of getting your question asked, you can support StarTalk on Patreon. We prioritize questions from our patrons. Thanks for being the best and most curious fans
3: in the universe. Welcome back to Playing With Science. Uh, What a fabulous conversation with Dwayne Edwards. And we're about to have another fabulous conversation. And he's here with us in In the studio. In studio. Federico Macapani, You may know him better as Embroidered. He has been described as a Dr. Frankenstein of sneaker design. Now, I don't know if he's happy with that. Mm. (laughs) But we're going to find out. Federico, welcome to Playing With Science. Thank
1: you so much. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. (laughs) It comes from our side. So, your inspiration comes from where? Well, from a lot of different uh, things in life. But I guess I look a lot uh, at uh, nature as the highest form of inspiration for me. Because, you know, everything in nature is the way it is because of a series of evolution that led us to this moment of time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, looking at nature as really like the the best thing, the most functional, uh, you know, uh, animals and plants, where you can only survive only if uh, uh, you know you are the apex of you know your category, and so there is a lot of beautiful things from you know colors, forms, shapes. You know, it's really amazing.
3: I, I, I think it's fabulous. You see it like that because we've only ever thought of sneaker footwear as function. I run, I jump, I throw, or whatever I kick. Right. And yeah, what color do you want? And, and it's, it doesn't seem to go beyond that, but you've elevated that whole thing by bringing a totally fresh concept to it. Like I said, the, the Doctor Frankenstein thing.
1: The way I work is we have to solve problems, and mm. that starts as the beginning. You know, look so, at that. Uh, yeah, we actually there is a lot of science involved uh, in uh, you know sneaker design. Absolutely. And
3: you're, you're a big friend of uh, of Dwayne Edwards. And, yeah. Uh, It's funny. We just had him
2: on, and he said the exact same thing you just said. Yeah, it's like it's like you had a conference. It's like yeah, like like you guys (laughs) were talking before. You know, so I'm interested. Mm. You know, I'm looking at your, so I look at your Instagram, and your Instagram is pretty dope, man. You (laughs) have so much cool stuff on there, like a design. And they're all your designs, right? I mean, no, I mean. Or or are these just the things
1: that you like? Is that? Those are all my shoes. Okay, those are all your shoes. Okay, that's what I thought. I love shoes, I collect shoes, I wear shoes, you know, so, you know, that's what really, like, my Instagram is the representation of what goes through my head. Right.
2: So here's what I want to ask you, because as I look at all these different shapes and uh, constructions and the composites that are used... um, Talk about form following function. How does it work? Are you working with engineers at the company and then they tell you like, okay, here's what this shoe is going to do? I mean, in all design, it always comes down to you have a vision, but then you're limited by the real world application of whatever it is that you're designing. So how does that work when it comes to your shoe design?
1: Well, you know, uh, we have a lot of different teams uh, where we have uh, sports science, we have marketing, we have development, we have design. So all these teams work together to create a product. It's not definitely one-man job. Mm. You know, nothing would happen if it was just for designers or just for developers. It's truly the collaboration between all these things. Wow. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, when you work and create shoes, especially for athletes, you start for, uh, from the insides, how they play, uh, why they do certain movements, uh, looking at their biomechanical movements and understanding the force that they put into the shoes, the directions. So there is a lot of like, data involved in design, especially nowadays we have a lot of ways to capturing data. And mm-hmm. there's never been like that you know, up until now. So the way I approach it is I take this data as like my ingredients and I need to use them in order to you know bake the cake right
2: gotcha. So all this data becomes your little cake batter kind and, of thing yeah. right and so the, and then so what is the last part? Is it aesthetics or do you ever start with like, man, this is gonna be the coolest looking shoe ever and then try to reverse
1: Well, you know, before uh, I was working in this industry, uh, I was approaching things and I like them. I like the way they look. But when you start working at a professional level, you start to understand that the first thing that matter the most is the function. So they need functional. to perform and they need to make the athlete better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're making a shoe that doesn't make the athlete better compared to the one before, it didn't work out right. right. So, so it's
2: truly form following function.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 definitely, you know, but uh, again, I love also, like, beautiful products, and for me, it really needs to be a balance between making them work perfectly, but also making them look beautiful. Hey. Because at the end, uh, you know, like, especially kids now with social media, we are bombarded by visual information mm-hmm. constantly, right. and when they're scrolling on the Explore page, you have, like, three seconds to get their attention, to click the photo, open it up, and they are understanding if they want to try it on or not in those three seconds right and that it's you know based on look let's say because that really is what takes gets your attention if then you know that look is amazing then you want to try them on and if you get them for the feel you won gotcha so go
3: back to say you know there's a lot of science involved in in sneaker design and, and, and construction What science are you embracing right now and what science could we possibly see in the future?
1: Technology evolves every day. Like three years ago, what we do today wouldn't be possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like there is so much about computational design and that it's really influencing the way we design sneakers. Before there were a lot of like sketching, but now it's kind of, uh, we have this data, we have this machine that can generate the design Mm -hmm. based on the data that we implement. So it's all based on algorithms that is truly like mathema- super mathematical, you know. And I believe the future for designers will be kind of like selecting which design the machine provides you. Because we as human, we have feelings the machine don't have, you know, right. machine can can do everything perfect.
3: Are we talking AI design
2: <laughs> footwear? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not true AI, <laughs> but in a way it is because yeah. the algorithm is kind of making the selection in yeah. terms of what will be the output. Yeah. But M- then machine, I love what, Machine learning it's, algorithms. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. But what I love what you're saying, though, is... And maybe one day this will not be the case. You know, there, maybe one day machines won't have emotions, but what they'll be able to do is accurately depict what emotions are elicited by mm-hmm. looking at something. Yeah. But what I like about what you said right here is that... Uh, Uh, what you have to do now is have the eye of design Mm -hmm. in order to look at that and say, no, this is truly aesthetically something that we would want to make as opposed to this, which actually uh, lives up to the functionality. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's it's an ugly piece of crap. So take that computer. No, I'm joking. Uh,
1: right, right. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, like it's truly the, the collaboration between men and machines. Right. Without without a collaboration, there would be just humans and machine doing their own things. But it's when these two worlds collide, that's where really the magic happens. Nice. So let's look. Let's focus on the sort of predator
3: harden. Yes, hybrid that you came out with. The Predator is uh, a soccer boot, a football boot, right. a cleat, whichever cleat. way you perform. It's a cleat, and yeah. the Harden is a basketball shoe. Now, this is the Frankenstein part of, of design for you. Now, I know the soccer shoe because it's a Predator. Mm-hmm. And that Predator is built with rubberized paneling that an- enables more traction on the ball. When you, when you kick to, it. Yeah, so I'm bending it like Beckham. This of, yeah, right. it's the Swerve. Yes, the Swerve. And then the puts more spin pick,
2: on the ball to create a, a a a more dramatic Magnus effect.
3: There you go. There's right. our science. Mm-hmm. So, what on <laughs> earth drew you <laughs> to produce something like that,
2: Tudor? Uh, and by the way, if, it's cool. If, if you take a second, just look up hardened Predator. <laughs> it is now, and I'm going to tell you this, Federico, and I'm not blowing smoke. Okay, uh, I'm not a sneakerhead. Okay, as a matter of fact, you see what I'm wearing? I'm yeah. wearing Chucks because that's my name and uh, that's about as deep in the game as I'm going to get. These things are so cool looking mm-hmm. that when I saw them, I was like, oh my, like I actually had that sneakerhead reaction like, oh my
1: God. They look They look kind of crazy. You know, The it all started that I love the Preton franchise. Uh, I love the colors, black, red and white. Uh-huh. You know, they are iconic for Adidas football. Yes. The thing is, I couldn't wear cleats on the street. So,
2: so let me ask you about this design though because, I mean, we know that you took it from the side. Is there, is there any racing inspired because it looks like it's moving when it's sitting still? Oh, wait, do you have it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's going into his bag right now. He's going to take the shoe out. That's pretty
1: awesome. And also, this is a, this is a custom. So, this shoe doesn't really exist. The the shoe you're about to show us doesn't really exist? Yeah, you know, it doesn't exist. It's not an official shoe. I made it. (laughs) <laughs> You're messing with Chuck's mind We got an
3: exclusive don't, don't show him something that doesn't exist You'll blow his head away Oh my god this, Look at this I thing know, I know This
2: thing is so cool man <laughs> And I am not I'm not a person who gets excited about sneakers <laughs> But when you look at that Look at that It's beautiful It looks like sports And sex at the same time, you are Italian, yo man. This is amazing. Thank give, it, you. give it back, <laughs> otherwise you take it to dinner. And you know what? There's a certain asymmetry that actually that 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 adds to not only aesthetic but also makes it look like it's in motion. I mean, you're really fancy. I mean, this this is this, this is, is amazing.
3: Comic. As a design, as a predator design, as, yeah. the, as the boot. I mean, I grew up with Adidas, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I've worn them, I've, I've been sponsored by them, all sorts of things. The knot in the laces is a soccer player's guaranteed excuse. Really? Yeah, because oh, it must have hit the knot. Oh, hit the knot. Right, so right. that's that's why it's in the stand. Wow. So now, function and form. This is here, the Velcro is there to keep it there. This now gives a more uniform surface mm-hmm. over the in. in there's the, the instep of the foot. Right. And therefore, you've got a plain surface. Now, you, it's not the not. now, it's not the knot. There you go. It's not the knot. You've just taken away
1: a soccer player's excuse.
2: So cool, man.
3: Myth, bust,
1: myth busting. Myth busting. This is so cool. Yeah, and this shoe is from 2000. Yeah. So this so I, I, I took actually a vintage pair that yeah. I actually found on what eBay. I, what, <laughs> I, what I'm laughing about is 2000 is now vintage. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> How old am I? When when you get two words that have nothing to do with each <laughs> other collide, you create really something that is super interesting that before you wouldn't have even thought. Right. So you know, like uh, three or four years ago, I started putting my ideas out on Instagram because I was putting them out with an hashtag that was hashtag What If, because I was a fan back then of just sneakers and kind of I wanted to see. What wasn't available. And because I knew how to use Photoshop and Illustrator, I said, okay, I'm just going to do it and put my ideas out. And eventually these ideas reached blogs, websites, designers, and then eventually led me to where I am today. Favorite sneakers right now? Right now? Right here, right now. There has to be Adidas, right? (laughs) Of course. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um... Favourite new sneaker or favourite sneaker ever? Ever. Ever. Let me go teenage on this. Ever. Right now, it has to be the Adidas Carbon 4D, which is the one that has been designed with the you know 3D printed technology that has been made in partnership with Carbon, which is a company based in California. All right. And it's a tech company. Mm-hmm. Actually, And, you know, the beauty of this is that uh, the collaboration that comes from two words that completely have nothing to do with each other. And, you know, when the shoe came out, it really inspired me a lot because, you know, one day potentially we can have shoes that are custom made for everybody. You walk into a store, mm-hmm. you scan your feet. Right, you know, and then it'll
2: print out for you right there on the spot.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that'd be it. So the Carbon 4D
2: is uh, just a a tremendous looking shoe. And so, what part of this is printed, or is the entire shoe printed?
1: This, in this case, the sole is printed. It's the sole that's printed. The midsole.
2: The midsole. Okay, I got you. That makes sense. All right, cool. Go ahead.
1: My favorite shoe. Historic. Yeah. Historic, I would say, really the Predator Accelerator. Like which is the model before the one I show you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's so beautiful for me, and uh, you know I, I don't know. Like it has hey, everything. If you see,
3: shoes got to touch the soul. I yeah. know you're Italian, and that's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a different. But yeah. for me, I go back to the original, the '70s. Uh-huh. It's the royal blue, white stripes Adidas gazelle
1: mm. yeah but with,
3: with the but with the sole is very different because it's got that sort of hexag- hexagonal pattern but it's very spongy this mm-hmm. is before all of the energy capsules and energy returns yeah, so it was and all the rest of it die cut form back then right.
2: yeah and for me it would be the christian louboutin classic peak toe so, yeah absolutely uh, yeah. yes in a six inch heel Uh Uh-huh. Size 12. No, no. no. You just ruined it. You just... No. (laughs) No.
3: No. (laughs) Look, Federico, what a pleasure. Federico, what a pleasure to have you, man. Um, Thank you so much. We must come and visit you at the the lab over in Brooklyn and uh, record some footage. That'd be cool. In the studio with us, Federico Macabani at... (laughs) Embroidered That's right A.K.A. Dr. Frankenstein Grazie, amico <laughs> Thank <laughs> grazie, you so much Grazie, grazie, grazie Thank you so much Right, we're gonna take that break When we come back Fashionista Sneaker guru And A great interview Ezra Wine Will be with us That break now Ezra on the other side So, up. Fashion designer and archivist, Ezra Wine. Now, yes. we have to know what it really means on the street. So there's only one person to go to. Yeah. And this is our
4: guy. Ezra Wine, welcome to Playing With Science, sir. What's up? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, without a doubt,
2: man. So you're in the fashion world, uh, originally from taking the stuff that you loved Yes, and kind of remixing. Yeah. Like you're the, you're like the puffy of fashion before there was any any remixing you were remixing fashion.
4: Yes, I definitely feel that way. Um glad you said it that way. I I Dapper Dan has always been like a big influence of mine growing up. Um just seeing what he was creating, kind of taking luxury labels whether he was cutting and sewing old fabric and remaking these Louis Vuitton, Gucci pieces and he was so influential at the time. Yeah, so I feel like that was always a big uh Big influence on me.
3: If you can just give us a brief history lesson of why we're at the place we are right now with regard sneakers and what has been the journey.
4: Yeah, it's a very complicated journey. A journey that I love to think about and and talk to my friends about. Um, I think it's about art. I think it's about supply and demand. I think it's about. Uh, I think it's about cultures forming. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's about and and again back to the art side of it. I think it's about this, these products that were created uh, that certain individuals like Michael Jordan wore and kind of popularized. And then um, it's about how people wanted this art and, and people sought after these pieces. There was a status symbol. There was um, risk involved with like, you know, people getting robbed for their sneakers and and all of these things while the majority of the country might have thought of this as like, oh, don't buy those for your kids. Like that's only gonna be trouble. There's always this percentage of of people in America that like think this is controversial. This is exciting. Uh, I gotta have it. Gotta have it. This is this is like in the news. This is in the this is in the crime part of this. Part of the newspaper, and it's in the fashion part of the paper, and it's in the sports section. So,
3: is it is it true? (laughs) That's funny. Is it true? (laughs) uh, You you, you two, you guys, can bear this out. I I read this on the other side of the Atlantic years and years ago Mm -hmm. that Nike would judge the success of their new release on the number of times a sports store would get a smash and grab. (laughs)
4: I could see that being the case. Wow. Uh, definitely in the eighties. Yeah. If it you know, that that sometimes that's how popularity is uh that was that was their term before
3: we've had all of this data acquisition, that was their way to understand whether this shoe was gonna work or whether or not they gotta move on and design something else.
4: And yeah, I mean, I think the other big part of the story is, and not to jump ahead to like the whole sure. Jordan One story, but you know, it, it's a shoe at a time when the league is—it's—it's—it's it, it, it's, it's a diverse league. In, in 1984, when when Jordan enters, it—you know, black players, white players—but um, dress code-wise, everybody's wearing white sneakers. Yeah. and it's uh, when Nike made this black and red sneaker. Peter Moore, who I believe is the original designer for the Jordan One, uh, when they created this, this was this was like a shock to the world. It's like. Black and red this is the devil's colors this is this is like right. ah, ah, this is ah, a, ah. this is a gang look and uh, and and these were all the things that were said and then the fines came in and you know the NBA said well this goes against our dress code policy but you know? had
3: you were involved in this story on once the fines come in were you not you then brought your own take to this whole thing
4: yeah I mean perfectly honest my my own experiences, a number of years later, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, make. I was not making clothes in 1984. I will no, admit okay. that. But so for me, it was more of a uh, ten years later when I, when all these books start coming out on Jordan and books on sneakers and kind of telling the story. And and one of the most exciting stories that I was learning about at the time was uh, was the story that uh, this went against the league policy and the NBA said, uh, you know it's $300 a game. Like, you, you can't wear these and we're fining you. Uh, and then it goes up to, over the course of the season, it, it turns into a $5,000 fine per game.
2: So every time Michael Jordan steps onto the court, yes, the NBA is saying, we are now, we're going to center you $5,000 because we yes. told you you can't wear those sneakers. Now, they're damn sure not going to tell him he can't play because he's the most exciting player in the league. Right. So they can't say that. Plus, right. plus the NBA like the commissioner doesn't have the power to actually sit a player only a coach and a gm can do that right so they're like all right what do we what, so can, who's paying the what fine? can we do we got to pay we, you got to pay 5000 so is
3: michael putting his hand in his pocket and pulling out 5k every game or did someone intervene
4: the story is that nike paid all the fines <laughs> that this was all marketing hype and nike how many shoes were they selling uh. if they could. How many games in a season? 180? No, uh,
3: 82 games in an NBA season. All right, uh, uh, that's baseball. Baseball, Uh, yeah. 80 80 games, right? Uh, 5,000 to go. 8 times 5 40. That's that's not bad.
2: (laughs) Not if you're Nike.
4: Yeah, exactly. Actually,
2: that's
4: kind of smart. But, yeah. this is, but this is also 1984. It's like Michael Jordan's a rookie. He's not guaranteed to be, you know, right, yeah. this world icon. It's a, big, it's a big gamble. And 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 uh, in the movie Just for Kicks, the documentary film Just for Kicks that I love to watch, they also talk about this a lot. Where Nike, uh, this this was this was like a, a roll of the dice for Nike because they had some money. They signed Jordan, but they weren't this like. According to the film, at least they're saying in 1984, and 1985 that Nike is not this like powerhouse. And this was kind of like a roll of the dice where it's like, if it works, they become, you know, cultural icons. The thing, the thing about it,
3: the big sports brands, because I've done some of this myself in the UK for Adidas and a yes. little bit with Nike, talent identification of the, the young players. Mm-hmm. And we will sit down and go through a list of talent. Mm-hmm. And we, we will then be asked, when I was at Adidas, I was asked, will this player not just become a top domestic player, will he go on to be... A top-ranked international player. Right. And we had to call it. And I'm looking at people saying, he's 14. Because of my background, that's function. Yeah. This shoe, this boot, whatever it is I've got on my feet has to have a functionality. If it doesn't give me that, it's out the window. And I don't care which floor I'm on. They're going out the window. So then you talk about it being a work of art. And I'm looking at it and thinking, you know what? There is a part of that. You think, oh, man, I look good in these. <laughs> That's yeah. a function. Yeah, yeah. That's a function to a lot of people. But that's a, that's on a mental level. This is yeah. this is taking the design of a shoe, off of the physicality and popping it straight into your head.
2: Yeah. The function is
3: to not have
2: somebody walk up to you and go, "What are those?" Right. <laughs> that's, that's a function. Yeah. Uh, so how do these shoes become so valuable? So you said on the resale market, is that because are the, are the sneaker companies aware that these shoes now are sought after and they stop production? Because I would think like, if they if they keep making them, they can't continue to be valuable. I just wait for them to make some more. I'll go get them. The only way they can be valuable is if there's scarcity. Yes. So how do they create that scarcity?
4: Yeah, I think there's... I, I I mean, it's it's definitely difficult to figure out what is going on in the Nike strategy world. But I think that they are just chasing lots of money and and from different, like, groups of people. And I think the general idea is, I I mean, the weird weird thing is right now, there's, like, a sneaker probably that came out just today, if not, like, more than one, just from Nike, where, like, growing up in the 80s, it was like, oh, the Jordans are coming out once a year. You know, like, everybody's waiting for that one, you know, February day when, like, there's actually, like, a new shoe on the shelf. Now it's, like, sneaker releases every day. Um, But I think there's also a case of... And I'm glad you mentioned scarcity. It's like, there's definitely a case of these are, this is a cool design. It's a special colorway. Let's put a cool name behind it. And we're only making 200 pairs, even though we know that 40,000 people want these. And this becomes (sighs) like, I'm sorry, something super special.
2: Dude. So you said, I bet you there's a Nike sneaker that was released today, right? (laughs) So I just went to the site and I just put in Nike sneaker released today. All right. Here it is. Jordan 1 Retro High, Travis Scott. $880! Oh, my God! <laughs> is that per shoe or per pair? <laughs> like it makes a difference to me. <laughs> <laughs> See, per shoe you- or per pair. So that's what they put out today. So this is basically a re-release, because it's a, it's a, I, I've seen the sneaker before. This is a classic Jordan back-in-the-day look. Right. But I guess they're re-releasing this on a limited basis so that the people will pay 880 bucks
3: for these sneakers that's just genius no daylight <laughs> <I> mean, robbery <laughs> well i think <laughs> that goes my nike endorsement
4: <laughs> i mean i think the other thing that's happening here is that it's like nike will it, it, it cre- they're creating this want where like everybody wants that shoe it's this you know yeah. travis scott's behind it and there's a limited number of them and there's this crazy you know if you can get them at retail for two or three hundred and you know that you can sell them for eight hundred yeah. this is like this is a job for people yeah. you know to be able to make five hundred dollars a day like right. reselling but i think what nike is also doing right now is if you go to any footlock or foot action nike store nearby there's also tons of other jordans that are not eight hundred dollars that are 100 200 that did not sell out day one and mm. so there's a sort of this there's a sort of wave of like oh, if you want something that like looks like it, it's always available. Like, come on in. We have your Jordan 1. We have your Jordan 3s. But like, oh, you want this brown suede mocha one from Travis Scott where we made it a very fancy box. Those you have to like really work for or sleep in front of our store or spend $800. So, it, you know, they seem to be chasing money from multiple lanes. Let me
3: ask like. you this question because you may know the answer. Um, the shoes Michael Jordan would have worn on court Right. Are they the ones, no, I'm not dropping $800 mm. on a pair of sneakers. I'm not, trying, I'm not paying $800 right. for would Michael I, Jordan's sneakers. Would I actual be opening sneakers? a Nike box and pulling out exactly the same shoe as Michael Jordan would have been wearing? Or am I getting something that looks like but isn't the same as...
4: I'm going to say it is the exact same product. That is what Nike says. And um, now with that said, the only asterisk to the story is that there are these items called PE player exclusives. And that's, if you ever go to Flight Club or any of these resale stores, you will see like, you know, Ray Allen, when he played for the Celtics, was like sort of gifted from Nike some like, you know, Jordan doesn't usually make like a green Jordan. So like they would make like him a green celtic sneaker and then like somehow maybe he gives them to a friend or a charity like something happens they wind up a flight club and now those are like the two thousand dollar sneaker um and and i hear that those can be a little different sometimes they'll like yeah, they'll, they'll like hand write numbers inside. Right. Like, But, 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 thing is, but you, I've been told that it's the same. They
2: make cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're,
4: they're like...
2: <laughs> that's, that's the Clooney.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: we're we're about out of time, but you have... What is the shirt that you have here?
4: So this is a t-shirt that I designed in, in Photoshop many years ago. Uh, basically, after loving the Air Jordan sneaker for many years, definitely wanted to pay homage to... Jordan and kind of tell the story that we were talking about earlier. As the text of the t-shirt reads, it's a Air Jordan number one, black and red uh, print. And then the text, and this is from like an, a, a poster of like a page of a book. And it basically says $5,000 fine per game. And this is all related to the story that we were telling earlier, which is that in 84, when Jordan made, came into the league, uh, he was getting fined. So basically the, the card that I that we wrote up has a little story on it. Has a little story, so uh, I'll read it. In 1984, the National Basketball Association banned the Nike Air Jordan sneaker and fined rookie star Michael Jordan for wearing his signature sneakers. The league claimed the shoes went, went against dress code policy, stating the shoes did not have enough white in their design. Oh!
1: <laughs> At mm. the
4: beginning of the season, the fine was $300. By the end of the season, it was $5,000 fine per game. Nike paid every fine. This is all in the book, uh, in, in, in one of those Air Jordan books talking about the history of the shoe. And, uh, and and the story's been going on and on. You can check it out in Bobitos. Where'd You Get Those book. Right. And, and I mean, now there's tons of sneaker media. That's
2: so funny. 1984
4: and the NBA is just like,
2: the league is going black. We can't let the shoes do the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? <laughs> we need more white in these shoes. And on the courts, damn it. Oh, Boston, where are you when
3: we need you? <laughs> exactly. You no, think was... the NBA is sitting there thinking, why didn't we find him more? Right. Hey, Ezra Wine, thank you, sir. Thank you guys what for a pleasure! Me, Great talking this to you. This was fun. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> fun. <laughs> this has been Playing With Science. We look forward to your company very, very soon.
2: Psst. Hey, bud. Come here. You could have listened to this episode with no ads. I tell you how. For five bucks a month, you can join Star Talk on Patreon and lose all the commercials. Learn more at patreon.com/startalkradio. But you didn't hear it from me.